0: Pastor's been on study leave this week so Here we are. Let's have it. Text for today will be Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 10. The parable of the lost sheep and of the lost coin. Hear the word of God. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, And search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your life-giving word, your inspired word. Father, we pray that you would draw a straight line from your heart to our hearts through this crooked stick. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go through our days, we meet people, we meet strangers, baristas, receptionists, Mechanics. And each one of these people is the complex center of a complex life. But that's not how we treat each other. How could we treat each other that way? You know, somebody serves us a coffee. Uh, somebody says that'll be. $1,500 for the, the doohickey I put in your car. Okay, <laughs> and, and then you go your way and, and you don't know the fullness of this person. How could you? And it's not how we expect to be treated. We do expect to be treated kindly as human beings, as equal in value, and we treat others accordingly. with charity. Charity is an old word for Christian love. Hmm? The more fully we know people in their complexity, the more fully we can care for them. We had a... This came home to me rather vividly when we investigated new windows. (laughs) Windows are supposed to keep out the the wind. Ours was letting them in. So, uh, and some of them were rotting. So, okay, this just needs to be done. And uh, so the salesman came in, and it was a four hour relationship building. Right? The uh, he had lots of questions about about our family and our lives and so forth. And this is his salesman thing uh, to you know get to know us better. It's a technique, but in the course of it. We also got to know him, and you know, he's a salesman, that's all he is initially, but after four hours of relationship building, you get to know people, and we got to know this man in his greater fullness. Uh, I remarked on his car, I said, is that a BMW driving? He says, oh yeah, he says, "Uh, you know, my last car was totaled, and and I suffered a concussion, and, and, and like he almost died. Uh, and now he's got this car. Okay, that's interesting. And, and, and as we we're walking around the house, I noticed a deep scar on the back of his neck. And uh, it, it somehow it, it came up in conversation at some point. And, and he said, no, there was this thing on his neck. And, uh, and he neglected it and neglected it. And, and it became, became very bad. And he almost died. And I thought, huh. This guy has had two brushes with death in his short life. He is not leaving this house without a Bible in his hand. So at some point, right, uh, there's Bibles around, and so I, I place it, and, uh, and I said, uh, do you go to church? He said, uh, well, now and again, not really, uh, um, and, and I said, you're Catholic, aren't you? Uh, He says, yeah, how'd you know? I I can tell by the way you swear. Uh, At some point, he came in the house. The first thing he did was use the Lord Jesus' name in a way only Catholics do. I said, okay, and I I, I made light of it later on. I didn't say, out of my house, right? Uh, I made light of it, but but I did make a point of it, right? In in what I thought was a suitable way. Uh, So uh, he appreciated the Bible, and he appreciated the concern. And, and he literally opened his shirt and revealed a scripture that was tattooed on his chest. Huh? So we're getting to know this guy. In his greater fullness. And uh, he sa- I said, well, you need to read the scriptures. And, uh, and yes, indeed. And, and he says, where do you suggest I start? I said, well, I suggest you start in the Gospel of Matthew. So he goes to the index. Okay? That tells me something. He's got scripture on his chest. But he goes to the index to find out where Matthew is. Okay? He. It's easy to reduce people. To their most superficial roles. Their immediate appearances. God does not do that. Jesus does not do that. And to the best of our abilities, neither should we. There's only so much you can do, right? With the receptionist. A four-hour meeting with a, with a, a salesman, that's different. Uh, but, but to the best of our abilities, we should treat people in the fullness of who they are, in what God is doing with them and, and the journey they're in. Here, the Jewish leaders find Jesus eating with sinners, and they're appalled. Here is a man of God, and he is with sinners. But to these Pharisees and the the teachers of the law, that's all they are. It's like they're a different species, like spiders or something. And on one level... You understand their reaction. These are, when, when we're saying sinners, there's probably tax collectors and prostitutes. That's usually what it is. And tax collectors, it's not like tax collectors we have these, these days. These are agents of the oppressive Roman government who are colluding, Jews who are colluding in that oppression for lucre. And prostitutes? Think of what a prostitute is <laughs> it's not just somebody who's making bad decisions prostitutes are predators okay they are they they they, don't, they just set up like shop in prostitution shop and and some people go in ding, ling, ling, through the door hi i'd like a prostitute no from what i gather in movies i've, I've actually only seen a prostitute once in my life that i'm aware uh, in toronto and i remember thinking it's a prostitute, right? But I've seen them in movies, right? And, and, and they're right out there on the street corner, right? And, and, and enticing people uh, to do things they shouldn't do, right? The, uh, they're searching for lost souls. Do you know the Randy Travis song, Three Wooden Crosses? Three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows. And then the song is like there's, there's people on a bus, and there's this big rig, and they come to an intersection, and I don't know, um, someone didn't stop. And he says, you know, these things, they don't stop on a dime. And there, were, there was a teacher, there was a preacher, and there was a hooker. And two of them were searching for lost souls, Right? This is what they do. They search for lost souls. So, so the, the, the concern of the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees over these people is legitimate. Right? You think of uh, some of the controversies recently. Uh, 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 elementary school teachers pushing LGBT Stuff on little school children. I tell my students about my gender. Their word gender queer identity. And what I did on the weekend. These are groomers. These are predators. There's no different in a sense. From prostitutes. Uh, except they're dealing with children. And people are right to be upset at this. At the same time. At the same time. You see uh, these people like, like they shaven the head in different way, face piercings and and so forth and and then and then and, and then this way of life people don 't just choose that. These people typically, from what I gather, have suffered deep trauma huh? as children typically, and they 're seeking. Recovery. They're seeking peace, and but, but they're drawn into some ghastly circle of support. And so, I view these people with deep compassion, even though I oppose what they do in the culture and with children and so forth and so on. Deep compassion. These are suffering people. These people have suffered. Trauma. You don't just say, I'd like to live this way. Not at all. Both the, my point is, both these responses are reasonable. But these pastors of Israel have only one response the legal response. You know, That's a prostitute. She needs to be punished. You're with her. You shouldn't be with her. Right? This sort of thing, of course. Jesus fully supports the laws of Moses against sexual predators like prostitutes but here in this passage the good shepherd presents the other side he presents God pursuing these people God pursuing them and us graciously and unrelentingly so we come to the parable the setting of the parable is a meal a meal in the ancient near east was a big deal in the, in the United States, today in, the, in America, meals are, are less of a big deal than they should be. We, we grab a bite, uh, we eat on the run. Uh, families, I'm told, don't even eat together the way they once did. Anyway, at some point, you know, they've got jobs, they've got things outside the home, and things kind of break apart. But, but you know, when they're eight, 10, 13, families should eat together, I'm told they don't so uh, meals are downplayed but in the ancient Near East a meal was an offer of peace and a sign of acceptance uh, think of the meal with the Gibeonites the Gibeonites fooled the Israelites uh, during the conquest and uh, you know they came with uh, moldy bread and, and worn out clothes like they would come a long way oh we could sure use a bite and so they had a meal together and then they said ha ha we live next door now we have to have peace Right? It's a meal. And think of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a meal. It's, it's God saying we are at peace. You and I are at peace in Jesus. There's, your sins are cast as far as east is from west. I remember them no, mo, no more. We are good with each other because the meal. Not only is Jesus at this meal with sinners... He's hosting the meal, as we see in verse 2. He's making peace with sinners. And let's be clear what these sinners are. Uh, People living in open and scandalous sin uh, with no shadow of repentance. Uh, Imagine someone baptized and raised in the church but uh, running off and uh, running running a cockfighting or dogfighting ring with with all the blood and betting, right? Or who's left family and is shacking up with a lover or a series of lovers. And so this person is excommunicated and scandalously wayward. These are the sinners we're talking about. Scandalously wayward, Separated themselves from the people of God, they've chosen uh, open and scandalous sin over life with God's people in pursuit of holiness. Uh, and these sinners are honoring Jesus, and he is receiving their honor. Now, they're, they're not joining Christ with sin as we see uh, you know, as we see some doing today. They are, these people are converts, OK? They are converts or they are seeking. They're entertaining uh, the idea of Jesus and what he's offering. Uh, They are turning uh, or, or returning or they're actively open to it. And so Jesus is receiving them and talking to them. But the scandal for the Jewish leaders is in who is honoring him. To receive honor from the wrong people is a scandal. Like if you're running for public office and you get the endorsement of Antifa or the Ku Klux Klan, no, you refuse it. (laughs) This is support, honor that that will not redound to your reputation. Uh, And Jesus is being honored by these scandalous people. But Jesus defends his action and he defends God and the gospel in this parable. Here we see Jesus, the good shepherd, confronting the bad shepherds. Jesus begins by insulting them. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. Now, that doesn't sound like an insult, but uh, after all, David was a shepherd, right? King David, a shepherd, became king of Israel. God is pictured as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the leaders of Israel, too, were portrayed as shepherds. But the Pharisees considered shepherds in their day unclean and sinners. Uh, So Jesus doesn't say, if one of you owned a hundred sheep and your shepherd lost one. No, no. (laughs) Suppose one of you has a hundred (laughs) sheep. They're already tense. Uh, Jesus is rebuked in that he 's rebuking their legalism and and by legalism you know i don 't mean uh their proper attention to the law of God no legalism is teaching uh, the traditions of men as though they were the law of God, and that 's what they, the, 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 the these bad shepherds of Israel are doing. Jesus is saying, you are shepherds. You are shepherds over Israel, but you are bad shepherds because you do not care for these people. Jesus is the good shepherd. We see this in John 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. The good shepherd. And Jesus, the good shepherd, saves these helpless sheep. Sheep are very foolish. A few of us have had any contact with sheep. I don't know if I've ever seen a sheep with my eyes. I bet I have, but they must not have left an impression on me. But I've read about them, and I've seen them in movies as well. So uh, they are said to be very stupid and foolish, and they wander off and get lost, and they're helpless. Hence, they need shepherds. Go off, spend the day like, you know, free-range children uh, and and be back by five. No, not sheep. They need shepherds and they need shepherding. God is not flattering us when he calls us sheep. And yet, in this passage, he is speaking of us through this sheep and shepherd image affectionately, very affectionately. Uh, When the shepherd finds the lost sheep, he does not simply say, go home. Right? No. Um, he doesn't say, Good news! Home and sweet rest are that way! And then go on his way. No, no. Uh, the sheep lie down helplessly and refuse to move. Uh, even when you show them the right way, they will not go that way. Unlike you and me. Right? They will not go that way. The shepherd must physically pick them up and carry them home. Remember, You are the sheep. Christ is the shepherd, and on your own, we will only we will not we will not leave sin and self. We need the good shepherd to pick us up and take us home. The emphasis here is not on the enmity of the sinner, though enmity there is, but that's not the focus here. Uh, but on our helplessness and our stubbornness and on God's gracious heart toward us and his saving labors for us. Notice the parable does not end with the joy of finding the sheep. I was lost and now I'm found, right? Uh, No, the shepherd not only seeks and finds the silly sheep, he also bears the burden of restoring us. He carries the sheep a great distance back to the flock. You know, how, how could there be a great distance? Well, the sheep wanders off. There's wandering there. The flock moves in that direction, and you've got a great distance. And he goes looking for the sheep. He gets the sheep, and he bears the sheep all the way back. Joyfully, verse 5, joyfully, he puts the sheep on his shoulders. Unlike, you know, the mother in Walmart who's, you know, lost her children and, uh, Uh, She loves the child. She seeks and finds the child. uh, But uh, maybe is annoyed at the bother. (laughs) How many times have I told you not to wander off? (laughs) This sort of thing. This is not the good shepherd here. Yeah, Uh, It's not what we see. He joyfully bears the weight of the uncooperative sheep back to the fold. And quite a weight it is, brothers and sisters. How did... We see the shepherd carrying the sheep. How heavy can a sheep be? I guess it depends on how far you have to carry it. But what did Jesus do to bring us back to God? God sent his son, the good shepherd, to bear our punishment and restore us to peace with God. You may know I'm going here. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous For the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. The righteous for the unrighteous. Bringing us to God. He suffered once for sins. Bore your sins. All our sins. All the saints throughout the ages. All their sins. This is what he bore on his shoulders. And how does he bring us? John chapter 10. Again, verse 15. The good shepherd lays down his life. For the sheep, my friend, I've asked you this before: Do you fear death? Well, you're Christians, right? Should a Christian fear death? There's nothing to fear in death. We're going to be with Jesus. It's just true. Uh, uh, we are safe in Christ. So, what is there to fear? But even you, who are faithfully in Christ, do you not feel panic? Uh, when you lose your balance at a great height, Um, when you're underwater and you lose your bearings and you don't know which way is up and suddenly you're afraid of drowning, do you not panic? Death is a horror. And the good shepherd suffered death, a particularly horrible death, to bring you back to God. And then we have the coin. It's, it's, it's all one passage. There's the, the lost sheep and then the lost coin. Right? Lost this, lost that. It's, it's one passage. And we have rejoicing in both parts. So this is one, one lesson. Um, and here it talks about the joy uh, as well. Uh, it underscores God's love. There's a woman loses a coin. And, and again, we have a despised, overlooked uh, part of the population, half the population, women, right? And and it's and it's a, it's a story from the woman's world, which goes largely unnoticed, and certainly by these uh, bad shepherds. Uh, and in this story, he also emphasizes how they are bad shepherds. Uh, a coin. Who cares about coins anymore? In New York City. Uh, I leave them for the poor. Even I leave them for the poor. But even the poor don't care. <laughs> because there's coins all over the place, and there's homeless people <laughs> all over the place. But uh, uh, people don't care much for them anymore. And and uh, uh, and when we're talking here about a coin, we're not talking about pocket change, however. Uh, at this time, there was no paper money. There was only coinage. Uh, but... Uh, Coins were not common for ordinary people. Uh, this woman, the coins we're talking about are silver, maybe gold coins, and they were her dowry, okay? Uh, her father has given her a dowry, wealth, which was just for her, and, and uh, in the form of coins, and typically a woman would, would, would uh, uh, sew them into a, a, a headdress or, or a, a, a necklace, and she's lost one. This is a very big deal. Um, it's a great material loss and a great sentimental loss. So she sweeps the house. And this is not like you sweeping your kitchen. Uh, there's, there's no Italian tile. There's no vinyl flooring. It's hard-packed earth. And so the, the coin has is, is worked its way in uh, to the earth. And so she's sweeping and, and, and uh, looking for this precious coin. And note her single-mindedness and energy she would move heaven and earth to find this coin. But God does move heaven and earth to find you, to bring you to repentance. He moves heaven and earth. He arranges the universe. He can do it because He's God. He arranges all that comes to pass for m- a myriad of things and to bring you to himself. You think of, of, of the home into which you were born. You think of the school or the sk- you went to or the schooling you had. Think of uh, various little incidents. Uh, somebody who just in passing put a word in your ear and it had a big effect. The Lord orchestrates all these things. This is him pursuing you. This was him pursuing you. Uh, moving heaven and earth and all its myriad of details to bring you to himself. And it may take, and and, and joys and, and sufferings and all these things. And it may take 10 years, it may take 20 years, but he brings you, he pursues you, he tracks you like the hound of heaven to bring you to himself. And he can do that with you and billions of others because he's God. In verse 7 and 10, it says, There was more, more joy in heaven. Right? Verse, verse 7, I've got it here. I've got the large print edition. Right? Verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 uh, righteous persons who do not need to repent. Uh, in the same way, verse 10, I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Of God, the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Mm-hmm. More joy. We think of the angels as rejoicing. Oh, there's rejoicing in heaven. The angels are rejoicing, but that's not what it says. It says the angel. He says there's re- rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Well, where are the angels? The angels are in the presence of God. So, what's in the presence of the angels? God. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a roundabout way of saying God is rejoicing. And of course we see this in the rest of Scripture. Micah 7.18. God delights to show mercy. He delights. And Zephaniah 3.17. You know this. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt you over you with loud singing. People often think of themselves simultaneously as one, they think of themselves too highly and not highly enough. Uh, they, they, uh, uh, they think of themselves as not sinful at all, but at the same time, when confronted with God, uh, well, I'm not worthy of him. I'm too sinful. Uh, your heart says, I can, I can, I can find my way home to God. I can respond wisely to God. No, you and all of us are foolish and stubbornly sinful by nature. By the, by the sinful nature we were born with, we are foolish and stubbornly sinful. And for this reason, Ephesians 2, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is by grace in grace alone, we can be saved. God calls us saying, cast yourself upon the Lord and he will lift you up. You cast yourself. This is helplessness. This is I can do nothing. This is, this is, this is admission of, of poverty of spirit. You cast yourself on the Lord and he will lift you up. He is your strength. He is your ability. That's Grace. And yet, there's this other side. People hate themselves, and they can't see how God could love them. And, and sometimes this 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 takes the form of just just ordinary despair, or or maybe cutting, or or drugs, or promiscuity. You know what I mean? Turn to the Lord, my friends, who loves you, and is searching for you. And and turning to the Lord, that that is there is the gospel i believe the gospel but then that turning to the lord we know is a daily challenge we live oh my do i feel this i study politics and i'm up to here in politics we were just discussing this in my home today oh my goodness and for me it's politics and it's easy when you dwell in politics to fall into despair and, and, and anger and so forth uh, and, and, and not stand squarely and consciously in the kingdom of God and view these things. And perhaps you, for you, it's something else. Uh, but so there is, there is uh, an internalization of knowing God loves you and didn't just pursue you and bring you to himself and now he's with somebody else. Always working with you. Always bringing you closer and closer to himself. And we know that takes great spiritual discipline over a life. <clears throat> it's easy to think of morally scandalous people. Politically. Those people who are ruining the world. Those people who are ruining my world. Or to think of them with irritation. Or to think of them with fear. On the one hand, you should have no patience for those who would groom school children uh, for an abominable world. But at the same time, we remember everyone is made in the image of God. The image of God. Do not underestimate how many of them are wandering sheep. They're, maybe they're baptized, they're raised in the church. You don't know their complexity, the fullness of their journey, and their situation. So, this guy, this window salesman, baptized in the Catholic Church, but a church affiliate, he's a wandering sheep, right? not just anyone. And these people that, that you think are ruining the world, and maybe they are the Lord is pursuing them, and we join with Him. We say, there but for the grace of God go I. And we do what we can to reclaim and restore as the Lord gives us opportunity. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You that You sought us, that You bought us, and You brought us to Yourself. Where we were blind, you gave us sight. You gave us ears to hear. While we were still at enmity with you, you sent Christ to die for us. Having given us to Him, He will not lose us. Father, we pray that we would... See everyone as you see them. And give us the opportunity to join with you, the hound of heaven, in your great ministry of pursuit. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.